Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I have a very special guest, Mrs. Latoya Carter. Yes. Okay. I didn't have your name right here and I'm like, I think it's Carter. Okay. (laughs) Welcome. How Well, first off, when I post this, it'll be after, it'll be sometime either mid to late June, but it is June 5th. Um, And for those that don't know my listeners, you know, we're kind of dealing with a really um, just very crazy tough time. So um, Latoya, I want to ask, how are you doing? You know, thank you for asking me. I, uh, not a lot of people have asked me that question. I'm actually in a much better place. I think last week, if you had asked me that question, I would have said I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. But this week, I am in a much better place. Like I understand that things are still happening, but I'm doing my absolute best to take care of me. So today, I'm okay. Today, you're okay. I know, and I feel like that's going to be a lot of that. Like I haven't, I haven't really cooked. Like I just haven't had the um the dry, you know, like that more, right, like I just kind of, and I've, you know, been in a funk, so I can only imagine, which we'll, we'll talk about. Um, so anyway, but before we go kind of into some deep stuff, tell me who you are, Latoya, as um, a mother, a wife, um, your profession, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, okay, so professionally, I am a licensed professional counselor. That means I do traditional talk therapy for a living. Um, I'm also an author and a speaker professionally but then personally I am Jeff's wife I'm Zahaya Jaden and Zeke's mom and I love all things office supply right (laughs) I'm getting my life together so um, I I never heard it put that way but I like that (laughs) yeah I mean just think about like when you buy office supplies you're like okay I'm gonna be organized oh my god again you feel like you're getting your life together like (laughs) such an adult no I love it so yeah I just um personally I mean yeah personally like I'm just down to earth I'm just regular like everyone else um and I'm just doing my best you know to take care of me and my family how old are your children okay 15 5 and 10 months oh wow I know right you could do a whole (laughs) I had one of my girlfriends I brought on I think was early in my podcast and she has very much well no she doesn't have a 10 month old but she's that different age group so we could do a whole thing on you I literally have like all the stages of development going on in my house right now yes things that you didn't have to deal with with your 15 um, 15 year old that now you have to deal with Mm -hmm. with your 10 month old I'm in between that's that's a very big dynamic yeah it is especially when your marriage oh my gosh like I said that's a that's a whole I'm sure we could Talk we could go we could go there too yeah <laughs> and I know I had also it's funny I had reached out to you gosh like three weeks ago in your dm I think it was and I was like she's never you know I was just I had come across you I think it was on the shade room shade room yeah a lot of people out. found me there yeah I wanted to reach out to different moms professionals mm-hmm. um I wanted to reach out to a sex therapist of bring intimacy Ooh, within yeah. a relationship because I feel like mm-hmm. I, we don't talk about that once children come mm-hmm. into the picture but right. anyway I reached out and I was like I don't even know if she's gonna see it, but you did. You saw it. I responded, so I am so yeah. honored. Thank you for. Oh no! Thank you for reaching out. Oh my goodness! Crazy person is, you know. So I am honored. Thank you. And I originally wanted you on because I saw you were um, a licensed um, counselor and therapist. So I was like, oh, we we have to talk about marriage, but unfortunately, with all the events that unfolded, um, you and I both agreed that it was probably best that we kind of really hunker down and talk about um, the deep stuff when it comes to race. Right. Um, the listeners right. can't see, but you are a black woman. I am. I am um, every day. Woman, um, Puerto Rican and Italian. I was born mm-hmm. in the Bronx. Um, right. But my parents instilled that kind of like hard knock life kind of hustle mentality. My father, mm-hmm. from young, would tell my sister and I and all of my cousins like, "You don't talk to the police. You make mm-hmm. sure a, a a lawyer is present and all of that stuff." Right. From, he was right. You know, and and that from a little, you know, of just his experience of being in the city and, you know, the trauma that comes with that. 
Um, mm -hmm. Of course, I've never had to face anything remotely um, major, but being a Hispanic woman, I face discrimination and stereotypes because I am a woman and because I am Hispanic. But right, right now, it's about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, we've seen over the past, gosh, what is it, just June 5th with Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, Taylor. Mm -hmm. and now with George Floyd. <sighs> There's a lot we can kind of uh, dive into. On the children aspect, what are you talking, what are, what are the conversations you're having with your children right now? What are you and your husband as parents and also as being a licensed counselor, what are those conversations in your household like? So the conversations with my 15-year-old are obviously different from the conversation with my five-year-old, right? So I've always been a person who I talk to my children kind of the same way I'm talking to you. I don't really do a lot of nah, 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 nah. like I don't I don't do that. I mean it just kind of helps their development if I talk to them as I talk to you, right? Like so with like my 50 yeah, because yeah, they're not going to grow up and go to the store and say, hi, can I have a candy candy? No, because then people are going to think something's wrong with them. So we don't we don't do the singy song and all that. We don't do that at my house. So for my 15 year old, we have we have a direct conversation, kind of like we're having you and I. And it's unfortunate because some of her friends and I didn't even realize that teenagers were into politics because I definitely wasn't into politics as a teen, mm -hmm. but they're really aware and cognizant of what's going on and so she's kind of had to like ask me hey mom like my friend so-and-so she said that she's a trump supporter like can i still be her friend oh wow right and i'm like oh no i'm not ready <laughs> so no, i kind of had to okay, get ready what what do you say because you want to say we should celebrate differences and it shouldn't matter so no 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 i don't say that because i think that yes we should celebrate differences i think that is accurate but i'm not sure that you can be a trump supporter and like a person that looks like me i, I just don't really understand Especially how that works this point. and you know what you're you're right and yeah but that's so how do you say that because so this is what i said i said ask your friend what does that mean to you to be a trump supporter because her friend now she's for she's 15 or she's 14 too so she may not understand the gravity of it she may not have a full comprehension of what it means to say I support Trump right so ask your friend so so that's my advice to my daughter like ask your friend what does that mean to be a Trump supporter and what does that mean that, that's and then go from there explain exactly. yeah let her explain to you what that means because as an adult I just don't think that you can be pro-Trump and like me with this skin that I'm always in but I don't want to put that on my 15-year-old, right? Because her little friend could have a different dynamic or a different understanding. So that's the conversation at my house. Parents, like you said, I mean, unless she, unless the 14-year-old knows the, the magnitude of it and she's like, oh, because right. she says this, then you're like, oh, okay, well, then I know where you, well, I know where you stand and then you can right. say the thing. That's a very good right. point. Right. Um, okay. So then what about your five-year-old? So I, it's so ironic that we're having this conversation today because literally yesterday, um, my husband and I were like, okay, like we got to have the talk. What are we going to say to this vibrant, intelligent, intuitive five-year-old? Like, I don't want the light to go out of his eyes, right? It's, it's difficult to tell my baby who loves everybody and everything and like doesn't want me to kill bugs when they come in the house like wants me to put them outside it's difficult to tell him baby people aren't gonna like you because you're brown oh people aren't going to understand that even though you're coming from a good place they're never gonna see you that way because you're brown because you're black and so we were kind of like going back and forth about the conversation and my son he's five but like I don't know. I swear he's been here before. So we're just kind of talking to him about, um, like, where do you put your hands? Mm -hmm. Like, if mommy and daddy are driving and the police pull us over, where do you put your hands? Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, about five or six, that's when people stop seeing little black and brown babies as cute. They start to get afraid, unfortunately. I don't understand why, but, but it is what it is. So we're having, like, conversations like, where do you put your hands? What do you say? Mm -hmm. those types of conversations because I just don't want the but light to go out in his eyes I know with mine mine is only two and a half but he's like that in the why 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 so yes does he say but why do we have to do this mom? yes why yes. and then what do you say to keep us safe to keep the police safe and we just want to take that extra step okay. because we all want to come home at night that's good 
you know, it's it's crazy. My husband is Jamaican and Guyanese. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I had done a, a thing on, on my Instagram of saying my son will also have the privilege of being light skinned, right? Because let's be real, there's colorism in yeah. um, cultures and things of being light to being whatever shade you are and all of that stuff. So he'll have right. that quote unquote, a thing of being looked at, but America will still see him as a black man. And when he puts down his rates, he is a black man. So right. I'm not ready because I'm not a black person. So I don't know how, as especially as a mother to mm-hmm. say and to have these conversations as he gets older, because you just, you kind of hit the nail on the head is that light, right? Mm-hmm. So unfortunately at some point, black and brown children have to know that they are seen as, as a threat. What does that do psychologically to them? Like it's devastating. Happens. Oh my gosh, it's devastating. You thought about your life and you're like, I'm good. I'm this and that. And then someone comes and like, you're a threat. You're a threat. And you're like, just, just like, and it's a, it's something that you can't control. Like nobody says like, okay, I think I want to be dark skin. I think I want to be black. Like, I think like you're born how you are. Your genetics are what they are. And so to be labeled as a threat with something that you can't even control to have so many different thoughts in your mind. I can remember like for me, I used to wouldn't eat fried chicken in front of white people like ever. Like if they would be like, let's go to the wing place. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I would get a salad really because I thought that it was my responsibility to show them that like we don't just eat fried chicken and watermelon like I don't know who told me that I don't know where that came from but I literally would not eat fried chicken in front of white people yeah there are so many other things that we have to think about as black people yeah that's innate in you that like you said you don't even know but whether it's TV that is conditioned to you the media to where you feel like ooh. If they see that, they may see me mm-hmm. as this, or I'm right. feeding into the stereotype as this. I remember right. my maiden name is Gonzalez, so mm-hmm. I never wanted to fight the stereotype that I did drugs or that I had um, a bunch of babies because that's oh. what, what the stereotype was, right? Especially you're from New right. York, oh, you must have different whatever. So for a long time, I wanted to remain a virgin. For a long time, I didn't want to um, have any association with drugs because when as someone asked me, did you do drugs? I wanted to be able, nope, I've never done drugs in my life. So they could be like, oh, right. but your last name, okay. Because I would have white people, they'd be like, oh, you had to. And I'm like, no, I, right. I'm not. Because and I'm it's not. so hard for them to believe. Like, it is. And it's like, like you know, it's crazy because no one told me. I just knew right. that there were stereotypes and certain things being said and certain things of saying. I had people tell me because of my last name, well, you must not speak English. And I'm, I'm you must not speak Spanish. Yeah, you must not speak English. And I'm like, I don't even speak Spanish. Right. Stereotypes and they're like, oh, are you sure you're doing it correct? You want to get your manager? Is, is the English? And I'm like, what? It's hard. It it's is difficult. Hard. It is hard. So I just try to, like, I, I try to be honest with my son and not, um, I don't know. I just don't want the light to go out, but I don't want someone to kill him and take the light out either. Right. And so let's be honest. He's a, he's a brown baby. And my, my son is lighter skinned too, but I mean, he's still black. Yes, of course. That's what it's like. It doesn't, so, in the eyes, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's still black. And then, you know, so I don't want, I don't want someone to kill him because he's uninformed. So I am very clear to him that if we are pulled over, this is what you do. Um, do you know your name and your address? Like, make sure your hands are always visible. And then in the back of my mind, I'm still like, this isn't enough. Because how many people have been slain with their hands up? how many people have been slain from the back you know what i mean like people are being murdered and they're following all the rules correct even because there are no rules when people have that argument well they they shouldn't have done this where it's like there's no shouldn't of whatever right let's get the shitting out the couldn't or they they shouldn't have done this whatever because when people that do quote unquote as you say follow the rules had their hands up didn't have this they were still killed so what the hell is the point so so what are we even talking about and and it's sad that i have to teach my children to go the extra mile knowing the extra mile may not save your life and that's the heart it's horrible heartbreaking heartbreaking thing and that's why i wanted to to reach out because i'm like you know all of it's like we 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 do focus when when someone is murdered and of course their death but i'm like what about the people that they're leaving behind the mothers you know as a mother's job you know we already have the fear of letting our children go out into the world right and think yes. that we have no control yes. as just a mom black white yes. brown whatever you are we have our fears of our yes. children we want them to grow up to be to be the best that they could be but yes. then on top of that when you are raising a child of color especially black men black little boys as a black mother what does that how helpless those mothers must have felt knowing that they couldn't do anything to protect their children that has to be devastating Devastating. it is devastating it is and how I don't even think that 
I don't think the English language is mature enough to put into words how that feels. Yeah. And all because of not something that they did, not for something that they could have all literally because someone sees them as a threat because of the color of their skin. And so to me, it's a, it's more of a systemic problem, right? Because if you're scared of people, then how is your job to protect and serve? If I'm bad at my job, if if people start to say that like, oh, she's a terrible therapist and she didn't listen, insurance companies are going to drop me. My husband's a chef. If he starts getting people sick, he's going to get fired. So how is it that they're able to have complaints and be afraid and still keep their jobs? Like in no other profession is that a thing? No. If if you're a pilot and you're drunk, you get get fired. Right. Because your, your job is to get these people safely from point A to point B. Right. So that, yes, the whole systemic thing. Latoya, that could be a whole nother topic. I think that's actually, I actually, towards the end of this, I wanted to say what we can bring about change, but I want to go to the mental health aspect of it. Okay. Um, With the social media overload, what can you say to the listeners of things that you have been doing personally and as a therapist to recommend for people to, what are coping mechanisms? What can people do to get through this social media overload and just everything that's going on? Well, I think you first have to acknowledge that this is traumatic. This is a trauma. And it does. And I think when people hear trauma, they're like, well, I wasn't abused. Well, I didn't die. No, but we watched a man die. Like we watched a man get murdered. Let's call it what it is. He didn't just die. He was murdered. And so that's very traumatic. And so acknowledging first that this is a traumatic experience that we've never experienced. And then we're living in it. We watched him get murdered during a global pandemic. So the typical coping skills, the hanging out with friends, the going out and doing things like we don't have those. So first of all, acknowledging that this is like terrible, like this is awful. Acknowledging the feelings that you feel, whether it's guilt, shame, sadness, anger, frustration, whatever these feelings are that you're feeling, acknowledging that they're there. I call it honoring your feelings, right? And that just means accepting that your feelings are what they are. Feelings are not good. Feelings are not bad. Feelings are just feelings. You're embracing so accepting them. that they're there. Yes. And kind of like leaning into it. I think a lot of times we're like, oh, I shouldn't be sad because no, if you feel sad, feel sad. Yeah. So angry, that's number angry. one. Like feel yes. it. it. Yeah. Feel it. Like own it. Feel it. And then figure out what you need. Mm. Some people need to be on the internet and be informed because it makes them feel calm. It brings their anxiety down because they feel like they are up to date. Some people, myself included, have to take a step back. Log off the app. If that's Turn off the news. Yeah. It is too much. It is too much. To consistently see that picture of that man with his knee on the other man's neck. Like, it is too much. It's it's too much. The face is what got me. I mean, he was emotionless. Like, he didn't even, he was so, he was chilling. No, and looking like, hey, I'm doing this and what? What are you going to do? That is what. I was like, what? First of all, I was like, I don't know how 20 million people didn't bum rush him, but I'm but whatever. Okay, so. So, yeah, so log off the app. Mm -hmm. So, honor your feelings, log off the app, turn off the news, Right. Practice some type of mindfulness, like get into the present because in this, like, okay, it's 945 where I am at 945. I'm not currently being attacked at 945. Nobody is currently doing anything to my children. So being in this present moment and understanding that I'm safe and okay is going to be super important. So, so being mindful, getting, getting centered and grounded into the present and then being patient and kind with yourself. Everybody can't be on the front line. Everybody can't be a therapist. Everybody can't make signs. So being patient with maybe your gift hasn't been revealed to you. Your place in the protest hasn't been revealed to you yet. I think sometimes people get upset because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not at the march. I'm not at the riot. Everybody can't be there. Like somebody has to live to tell the story, right? So understanding that I think is important. And then um, whatever your spiritual or religious or faith, whatever that is, whether it's God, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, Brother Rock, the ancestors, whoever it is, tune into them Mm -hmm. and seek your strength there. I love that. And And then, okay, I'm sorry. Go go ahead. ahead. And then obviously like, you know, journal, exercise, drink water, be cautious of your diet, you know, all the things that we should be doing anyway. And I think in this time, it's super important to kind of get your routine and stick with it yes. because this is a horrible, horrible, horrible time. Yeah, I and think so we need some sense of normalcy. And I think 
in times like this, because, and you made a good point of you're saying it's traumatic. We think because it didn't happen to someone, I, not, not we, but I'm saying the general right. idea of people saying, okay, right. well, it didn't happen to someone I know. So how am I feeling? So what, no. so why is it affecting me? But then you, you know, and, and you figure that out of why it's affecting you so much. But then, yeah, I think it's so easy to kind of fall into this di- downward spiral of saying, Oh, like for me, like I was saying earlier, I didn't really feel like cooking this week. I just did not have it in me to kind of be this joyful. Um, yeah. And, I, just, and I, I embraced it and I said, okay, I'm going to do with it. But I, I know at some point I got to snap out of it and, and continue on. But I think it's important, like you said, to find out that you don't let yourself get too far and you still take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Because, we- because here's the thing. If I'm not okay, I can't, I can't make change, right? So if I am not okay... I can't go protest. I can't make a sign. I can't show up for my clients. I can't show up for my family. If I am not okay, I can't do anything well. I have to be okay first. And a lot of times people are like, well, I'm not okay, but I'm still going to show up. Depending on what that show up looks like, you may not be showing up well. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. So making you're sure you're up okay. And then what are you showing up with? What, what are you giving? Are you even, do you even have enough to give? Mm-hmm. Or are you just there? Are you just wow. holding space? Yeah, exactly. How do you, as a as a woman, and this was one of the questions my friends had. Um, where is it? Workplace struggles. They said coworkers who have different opinions and say backhanded comments. How do we deal with that? I am so blessed in this season. Like I cannot thank God enough that I work from home and I don't mm. have those coworkers because I remember when Obama was elected. And I was so excited. And my coworkers were not. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is who I work with. And I just remember feeling like out of place, alone, and upset a lot of the times. And so what how so the question, sorry, how can they deal with that? Yes. How do you I think they don't, right? I think they don't. I think if you're going to work to support your family. Your loyalty lies with your family. You are at this company because this company provides you financial compensation to take care of your family. Mm -hmm. So having that kind of mind frame about it. Now, if someone says something to them or they're making the backhand comments and they want to educate them and they want to engage in that kind of dialogue, I think that's perfect because some people are going to be more vocal than others. Sure. But I think that understanding, okay, I'm at work. I'm here to do this. I don't even have to engage with the people who are making the backhand comments. So more is only like, look, I'm here because I have a job. It doesn't, yes. this is not my life, my life, my breathing. My, my life is my family, my children, yes. my, what I have to, that's what matters. That I is definitely what matters. And that's it. So it's almost, that's like, it. it's almost like, I, what's the word when you're just dis, not disconnecting, but you're like detaching, detaching you're co- and compartmentalizing. I think there's a time and place for everything. So I'm never telling anybody to be silent in the face of injustice. I'm never saying that. But if you're at work and they say something and you're on your way to the next meeting or you're on your way to do something else and you legit don't have the time, you don't have to engage. Because sometimes people want you to get into this dialogue. Some people want your energy and you don't have to give it to them. Like when you go to work and it's so true and one of my best friends and I discuss this all the time because we're very passionate we love what we do so we bring it to work and when yeah. an employee doesn't agree or you know something and you, you have such that and I'm like wait a minute I'm like why are we giving so much power to this thing that what does it really matter like you said they provide compensation but why we have to know not everybody deserves our full part of energy and yeah. that energy correct and sometimes and I've had to to learn to and so it. I don't I'm not saying and I, I just want to be clear because sometimes you know on the internet people misunderstand you I'm not saying be at a company and they're like putting out pictures that are racist and you're okay with that like I'm not saying that like you do not have to stand for that but if you're in the break room and somebody's like make America great again uh-huh. if you got the time say something address it right but if you don't have the time and this person is not like attacking you and you really have something else you need to be doing at work go do something else at work because for people who think that they want to make america great again although side note i'm not really sure when it was great but for people who think they want to make it great again you're not going to change their mind and you don't have enough time and in your work day to change their mind again i think even sometimes in those conversations is like 
I, I found people have their minds made up regardless. So there's nothing really you're going to say yeah. or that they can tell me and vice versa. People tend to, on, on, on both ends, right? We kind of right, right. have our mind made up of, it's just life. It just is what it is. Now, right. could you be able to have an educated conversation? Sure. But I think at this point, it's almost like, I, I agree. I think, yes, if you see something that's like, oh my gosh, oh, absolutely report it. I would say, yeah, say something. It. Yeah. Say something and make sure that's handled because that right there is just being, that's like being a bully. That's like, um, mm -hmm. I, what's the workplace word of, of harassment. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, those, those conversations that people want to rile you up or, they you do. know, especially I'm, I'm sure you being a woman, a black woman, me. Being they want you to be I angry black woman. You're being aggressive. They, yes. Um, and it's so funny, me and the same, um, my girlfriend um, who is black and we've talked about that. I'm like, you know, I want to always laugh because they'll be like, oh, you're getting whatever. And I'm like, honey, you haven't seen get crazy. You haven't seen right. like calm. I'm like, like this is calm. Like you really have no idea. Really <laughs> like, no idea. please like, don't let these degrees fool you. Like you know, I can go there. <laughs> like, that just makes me laugh. Like, but if I was a white man, my, my demeanor, my aggression, all of that would be okay. It would be applauded. It would be applauded. It would be applauded. Like, they wouldn't even say anything. I just be, sit there and maybe talk behind his back. I'm like, but the minute a, a woman, especially a woman of color, says something, it's like, and, it's the and, end of the world. I was also reading where they were saying we need more white women allies at work. We do because you know, being women, we do have it's it's a it's a unique and I don't set of get struggles. Off of the conference. We'll go back to it, but I want to I, I do want to speak on this a little bit because you are a woman. You're a woman of mm -hmm. color. I'm a woman of color, so I know we face that at work. Where I know for myself, I'm like, gosh, if I say a certain thing, I'm gonna look a certain way. So I, I know I I put myself down almost mm -hmm. to where I cannot seem so emotional emotional or quote-unquote what they would deem as aggressive so i've had to hold myself back and i'm like what am i doing mm -hmm. um but i wish there were more allies amongst women women of color white women of saying honey we're all in this we're all just trying it's not you it's not you against me we're all trying to get quote-unquote that seat at the table or trying to make our way and i wish we i wish more white women understood that and more women in general because i think unfortunately when they would paint it as if we were the only woman in a board office, you know, an office meeting when the new woman comes, it's almost like, Oh, she's going to take my spot. Mm -hmm. Right. That idea that, mm -hmm. well, there can't be more than one. It's just me. Scarcity. It's a scarcity mindset. But I like what you had said as far as a different opinion. I agree. I think sometimes the energy just doesn't deserve and you, you let it go. You know, one of the companies I worked for, what things were said, I was meeting a vendor, mind you, I was the controller of the company. And I was meeting a vendor and this unfortunately white guy comes who knows the vendor, brought the vendor. And he was like, oh, watch out for this one. She's Puerto Rican. She'll cut you. Oh, swear to God, like in the middle, like I never met these vendors before. I'm and it's son. so random. And it's like, how dare you? Like he thought it was like the best joke. And he, they laughed and the vendor looked at me. I looked and I'm like, okay, now see, this is where I was like, now, if I start cursing him out. Yep. Then you prove his point. Then I prove his point and I look crazy. Yep. But am I supposed to just take it? And I did. I just sat there and I was like, come follow me into the thing. I spoke with him after and I was like, don't you dare do that. I tried to complain. The owners didn't, whatever. But that's an example of what do you do? Like, I'm like, okay, if I go crazy on this dude, curse him out or whatever, then yes, I look like, okay, well, whatever. And I think those situations are so, they're so tricky. They're so in the moment. And it, it's hard to know, like okay, is this the time I stand up? Is this the time I fall back? I think when you're in the moment, it's kind of difficult, right? Because that could have went either way. Yes. You could have said, like, how many times have you been stabbed by a Puerto Rican? You know, you could have went there, but then it's like, ah, I just kind of fed into that stereotype, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I probably would have done what you did and just pulled them to the side, probably. And it's just, and but just look depending at on the day. But, but I would have, and any normal person would have said, you know what, if you would have cursed them out, we probably would have applauded you because it's like, who does it, who walks up to anybody and just says, like, on a random thing, like, oh, the stereotype, like, oh, watch out, she'll cut you because she's Puerto Rican. And I'm like, what? I that's so it. just like, it's not crazy. But it is crazy. About the workplace thing of like the struggles that I feel like aren't brought to light of those. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, those little comments that people, and he laughed and thought, oh, I'm just joking. You know, they say Puerto Ricans, and I'm like, mm -hmm. No, like I've never stabbed anybody in my like what are you talking right. about like huh right. like, what are you talking about and but that's the white privilege yeah they get they get to say whatever they want yes 
And so we have to decide. And some days I'm more militant than others, right? Like some days, like I have to, like, you know what they say now, I got time today. Some days I have time. Some, some days I don't. And I just, you know, I pick and choose. But the fact that they think that they can say whatever is crazy to me. It is. It is crazy. And I think that's where the teaching comes in, especially what I love about now is people letting letting white people know of saying you can't those kind of things like you just can't say and having and that in itself is a privilege that people don't realize that they do have that you can say anything. Okay, but if, and it's okay. if I would have came to you and said, Oh, well, you look, you look like a serial killer. Because statistically speaking, it's, <laughs> it's them. Yeah, then I would be then you would have got in trouble. I would have gotten in trouble and be like, oh, well, you make me scary because I think you're going to come blow up the building or whatever little office. So I'm like, you know, what? So those are- Privilege. Like you said, it's privilege. It's a privilege. And those are the struggles of the workplace struggles. But I do, I like what you said in, in regards to saying that, you know, you have to pick and choose. And I think it's important for people to understand of not always giving your energy where um, the negative, where the negative energy arises. Um, yeah. And, and maybe it's been a good thing that because I, I've always been cognizant of people knowing and being like, okay, she's going to be, you know, this whatever Hispanic woman and going to go off. I've kind of always tried to flip it so that when I do have to put someone in their, in their place, I'm more educating in it, but ter- yes. telling them off, but yes. in a very like very- calm and mm-hmm. educating, educational way and professional mm-hmm. way of saying like, F you you know right and then like I always lower my voice too because I talk loud in general and then to get emotionally heightened you know you get louder and louder and louder and louder and so it's like if I start here and I say oh okay excuse me sir by the time I'm at the end and I'm super passionate I'm just speaking in my regular voice now how, when do you feel is a right age? Well, I guess feel is the right age to start teaching those things that maybe they don't necessarily teach in school that all children should know of how this country, the laws that were, you know, and the things that were, that are still in place for the systemic racism to occur. <clears throat> so I have, I think at my house, the way I've done it is I choose the empowerment approach first, right? Like pretty much everything was invented by black people right like and I'm not trying to be funny I'm no. not but it really it legit was <laughs> right things that like we use every day that are like the yeah. stoplight peanut butter sanitary napkins you know everything and so I come from that approach first because to me it's uplifting to know that I come from a people who invented all the things And then when there's a, when they're a little older and they're able to understand, that's when I come with the other things about the systematic racism and the, the uh, bombings of black wall street and and things like that. So I I take it. So like right now, my son is kind of in the, what I call empowerment phase. Like, and we're talking about who invented what. So that's where we are. Like, so for him, he's in the empowerment, what I call empowerment phase. And then my daughter is, you know, she's on the other side of it. Like right now she was like, because I have a lot of books and she's like, can I read one of your books? And I was like, I mean, which one girl? Cause I don't need you reading Zane. And she was like, <laughs> she was like no, I want to read like in this section. Cause I have like my smart educated books on one bookshelf. And then like my books that I just read for fun on another shelf. And she's reading forced into glory. And she's 15. What is that? What is that book about? I never. It's basically about how Abraham Lincoln didn't intend to really free the slaves. And I told her, like, take it with a grain of salt. If you have questions, let me know. Like, don't get, I don't want her to be depressed. Sometimes you can feel powerless and sometimes you, um, you get depressed, right? Like, that's what, crazy and backwards how we've been taught, right? So I just told her, you know, like, take breaks, you know, if you need to come ask questions, let's talk about it. Um, and then I just kind of make sure I throw in some fun. Like, we have dance parties at my house. Um, sometimes I make her watch uh, PJ mask with my five-year-old like we have to make sure that we're educated but that we're also okay because yeah. sometimes the education can be too too much so like they, they teach you that. to like I, I don't know what they're teaching now but I know when I was in school like Abraham Lincoln was kind of like the white savior because he freed the slaves but then and then so to be an adult and find out like he really wasn't trying to like oh my gosh that's a harsh blow yeah, so, you're, you're, you've think, been thinking this all the time, but I think you made a good point where you're like, take it with a grain of salt. And I think it's also important, I guess, to point out to that adult, that age of, of she's a teenager of saying, yes. look, 
and yes, he did a great thing. He did free the slaves. He right? did. He, and so that's good. Your heart doesn't always have to be in the right place as long as the end result is good. Correct. So he had that, but let's just be honest and say there's a full scope of it. And right. let's not necessarily, again, the way we were all whatever of also taking, damn, it was like, this. yes, that might've been, this was the end result, but at least now you know the, the true story, the true history right. behind it, the context of why right. it was done. Like they even say Thomas Jefferson, what he was, they've claimed one of the great presidents, but he owned slaves or he had denounced it, but he had- slaves. And like had a whole family of slaves, and like it kept them enslaved. And that's where I feel like if in schools, they show the true picture of what was done. I feel like then when you are older and you read, you won't be so shell-shocked to be like, wait, what? This was yeah. this? Of really understanding. Then you could just see the full picture and say, okay, he was a, he did believe this, but he had this. Okay, then we move on. We know we don't have to we don't have to revel in it. We don't have to right, right. just move on and say that was right. a part of history and let's continue on. But no, they big them up. They praise them. And then you find out this. And then that's when it comes to being like, well, wait a minute. Why don't you just tell us the full story? Because I know for me, when I found out about Abraham Lincoln, I was devastated. I was like, what? Because like, like you said, like we big them up. Like, yes. We praise them. We put and them so on, this it's and on this pedestal. Yep. And, and then, I mean, it. I feel like a lot of education, and then I, I love Amanda Seals, and so she was saying on her thing, she was like, I had to take my time and really research my people and really educate myself. And that resonated with me because that's what you have to do. Yeah. Like, if you want your children to know more than this little paragraph of Black history that's in the books, you have to do it at home. Well, that's why I wanted to ask, like, you know, because they don't teach these things in school, and I feel like as parents, it is our responsibility and I do love what you said. You know, my son is two and a half, but I do want to get him more books of books of of, of people of color um, yeah. and the empowerment of knowing of all that was done for Black history and all the inventor inventors and things like that. And I think that's that's a good point of uplifting first, of like you said, empowerment and and what a lot of Black men um, um, all over the world and and things that they were able to do. I think is so important right. because I feel yeah. like at some point, even though yes, we can and we can talk about Black women and Black um, young girls and how portrayed and, and all of that but it's really the black men that um, you know society fears and makes them try and really feel less than I used to think that too until Sandra Bland you know what I mean like we, we're not safe either well Bri- so. and now Brianna Taylor and yeah and um, well, you know, what about the one that was killed in her living room with her with her nephew mm-hmm. I don't remember her name and then the one I think her last name was Jefferson yeah you're right Yeah, I mean, so so we're not, and I I hate to do a disservice and try to list people. Um, so I won't do that. But we're not safe either. Like it's black women too. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, so then I got in that twofold would be of not only empowering the black young black men, young children of color, but also the women as well of knowing this is your history. You know, don't make them think that you were just slaves and no one came out of and nothing was you know like that there was no growth that there was no that that black people didn't try and thrive that they didn't try and that they didn't have how black people did own land and they had communities and unfortunately what was done and I think was so like the part that nobody ever really talks about that really I try to give to my children like yes we were slaves like we were like it is what it is but the fact that we were able to be ripped from our country brought over here brainwashed tormented beat abused killed murdered raped and then still invented everything that's a powerful that that's power like we are powerful that's and that's where that's again the full circle you can right. say how devastating and um and and all of that but then look like you said the inventors that were able to the proper and what what black communities how they people were able to come out of that what they were able yes. to do but then only to be yes. taken away through jim crow laws right the killings of black washi when they saw there was a lot of black right. coming in power and that's where i feel like how even a lot of white america who might not quote unquote be having that racist thing but because they don't know and they think they don't think that there's still systemic racism because they don't know what this country was founded on. Then nobody knows where to begin. Right. How, how can you? So here's the thing though. Like people are upset about the police murders. I'm upset. I'm upset. I'm not like, it's a hor- it's horrible. It should stop. But the system was never designed for people that look like me. 
Like you have to understand that the police, if you trace it all the way back, originated from the KKK, originated from slave catchers, originated from people policing black people. So if that's where they come from, if the if the creation of the police department stemmed from let's keep these black people in, in slavery, then how do I expect for them to treat me now? It's, and, or, or without being ripped apart first because let's, let's okay let's let's think about it a different way so if your mom's a christian you're more than likely a christian until you're exposed to something else right and so if your mom bakes her bakes her macaroni you probably bake your macaroni you probably don't make it on the stove until you're exposed to someone else right so with that being said if if i'm in the mem- if i'm a kkk member and i'm the sheriff then my son is probably in the kkk and he's the deputy then his son is probably in the kkk and he's a cop and it just keeps going so at its core the police department was meant to brutalize black people for sure and i think people forget that that with it no the laws that come with it what is they saying that they're still just recently um cory booker and kamala harris they're trying Mm -hmm. to get rid of the lynching there's Mm -hmm. still a lynching law yes Yes. I was just telling my husband I was talking because about nobody's thing. going back. Like people are like, "Oh, we've come so far. Oh, kumbaya." But it's still legal. It's still on the books. Does That's it- what I'm saying. You have to tear it apart at its root. Like you got to rip it all out. Yes. Hiring black people is not enough. Like you have to fix things. The fact that four police officers were able to kill that man in front of everybody and not one of them said, "Hey guy, that might be enough." Hey, dude, maybe put your foot on his back and maybe not his neck or his knee. Excuse me. Maybe put it on his back and not his neck. Well, like, nobody said he, anything. Why is he even on the floor? Why is he even on the floor? He was handcuffed. Listen, I, that's a whole other issue. But the fact that nobody said anything, they were just like, oh, okay, just another day. We're just going to kill somebody today. Basically. Yeah, of that of that rhetoric, and and that takes away from the good cops who do want change. Because in anything, you have bad apples, and sure, but like sure, I said, sure. If, if if we don't take it and rip it at its core, if we don't change laws, if we don't change legislation, if we don't figure out a way to weed out those cops, I know people that have said when they um that were police officers that when they were in their academy, they were talking to white people who had never been around black people. And I'm like, and they're about to go become. And how's that even a thing? Like, you're innately afraid of me because I have more melanin than you, and I have to trust you with my life. And you've That's never insane. been around a, someone of color before. And you do assessments for police officers. Like, I, I'm, I'm truly asking because I don't know. Like, I'm oh, like, I don't do know. These kind of psychological assessments. Are they, are they really making sure that they're vetting these police officers to make sure that they're clear, sound body, sound body and mind to do the job at hand? Right. So what about for handling someone's life? Are they doing psychological evaluation? And these are the kind of discussions that it's like, no, these are the things that need to be done. They're they're they have a they have a weapons. <laughs> they have weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah they and, do. Yeah. And if you don't they know someone's trauma, what own triggers and traumas and things, how can you get that and think, okay, go on the street and go try and protect and serve? How you can't. You know, or even having um, police officers go into the communities, because I feel like that's another big thing. I feel like dialogue, and I think that's a lot of what we've touched on, of mm-hmm. saying how um, um, it starts with communication, whether it's communicating with your children, whether it's educating maybe an ignorant in, um, co-worker who might not know, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. I feel like it's dialogue. It's the police yes. officers and the communities that they are patrolling, going and having a normal conversation so that you can see that whatever stereotype you might have had of with each other that they're just human beings trying to get through the day they're just trying yeah to and it's exposure it. exposure in a good way if the only time you see black people is when you're trying to arrest them or when you're in some type of fight or flight situation or what that, you see on that's TV your, painting them as as thugs and drug dealers and exactly. pimps and yeah so i think it's also exposure and understanding the difference between between media and real life if you hang out in the community that you're supposed to police you'll get to know their names and it won't be oh random black guy fits the description it'll be oh it's kevin whose mom is cynthia you know what i mean like you you're humanize you're the person you're and that's the problem they don't see black men as human black women either but they don't see black people as human yeah. and and that's the problem they see them as all as the same, as opposed mm-hmm. to looking at them as Latoya, who's a mother, who's right. a professional therapist, who's a wife, who's somebody's right. daughter, who's somebody's friend. That's mm-hmm. the part that's missing, which is like you said, it's bringing the exposure and having those conversations, which I hope mm-hmm. and pray one day. 
Mm -hmm. Let me go to a couple more questions. How do you properly channel anger or frustration with what is going on? I think it depends on the person, right? I think it depends on, okay, so for me, I was super angry, but what am I good at? I'm good at healing people. I'm good at helping people cope. So let me take all this anger and put it out on my social media in a positive way. Because I think for a few days, my social media was like super, super angry, but I was angry, right? And so I'm going to take this energy that comes with being angry and do something positive. So let's say you're a a good organizer. So after you feel your feelings and you lean into it, take all that energy that is your anger and start organizing. Put something together. Push through and do something constructive with it. Because I think if we stay angry for too long, it can kind of be it can it can lose its power. Sure. Because and erupt to uh and erupt and get you in trouble and then we'll be hashtagging about you. So don't do that. So I think it just kind of depends on the person. How can you channel this anger into something positive? How can, how can we do something good with this horrible situation that we have been dealt? Donating, rallying, post protesting, signing, signing petitions, um, calling your congressman, calling whoever, um, just giving water to people that are protesting. Like, where do you fit in? Sure. And then how can you expound on that? I know, um, I think it's also important, like you said, because you also had mentioned, it's crazy because we are coming out of a pandemic. So people being locked up inside, they haven't been able right. to do things that would normally bring them joy, whether it's interacting with friends, family, whatever it is. I needed to disconnect a little bit um, and read, like I, I needed to read like a funny knot, like I just needed to kind yeah. of like just get away from all, but then I did feel guilty because then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not engaged with it. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm still not doing enough. But for me, I had to kind of like um, get away and just read something that was completely like just. And then I think we have to be clear about what enough is, mm -hmm. right? So I have three children. So my capacity for things outside of my children may not be the same as a single person. That's a good point. And so what is enough? Is enough do we quantify or do we measure it like in dollars? Like, do I have to donate this amount to this fund to feel like I'm doing enough? Do I have to march for this many hours to feel like I'm doing enough? I think when we say a word like enough or it, it can kind of be heavy, it can be kind of like a burden because when do you ever get to enough? And if you're a single person, your capacity to do things outside of yourself and outside of your home is a lot bigger than mine with my three children and three different stages of development, my private practice, my husband. Absolutely. Your, your, your mental capacity to be able to do, you have, you have a little leeway for how much you're able to let go and what you're able to put in. Right. And so I might can't be at every protest, but I can offer free counseling, which I've done. Like I've had, I've offered people like three free sessions who are kind of dealing with the trauma. That's something that I can do. And I mean, I don't, I didn't post it or anything like that. It was just people who kind of found it, found them their way into my DMs. And I'm like, okay, look, I can do this because this is me giving back in a capacity that I can do that won't take away from like the running of my house. Sure. And I think it's a good thing of, of also saying um, sometimes a little thing, you know, we put so much pressure, like you're saying, to do enough. Like it's like, oh, my God, we have to put on this macro scale. Mm -hmm. It's OK. Forgive yourself. Give yourself grace. And a little can yes. go a long way. It you can. Do sessions, I'm sure, mean a lot. I, and that's a whole nother thing that I would love to discuss at another time is mental health within the black community. Because that's a big thing. And even in the Hispanic, like we, no one goes. We don't talk about it. You go to church. Talk about it. We don't go to therapy. You go to church or you go to church. You with it or you say. Suck it up. You suck it up. And like, what, what are you crying for? Get it up. Or I'll give, you know, and you, you keep it moving. Yes. Um, so that in itself, the traumas of you of being like, no, it's okay to express yourself. Let it out. You know? So that's amazing that you're doing that because um, I feel like if anything more, more so than not is really the release of maybe just crying and, and getting and just talking about it yes to another person can mean because you're just kind of taking that weight off of your shoulders yeah um, and being able to talk to a professional like who's not gonna judge you who has some type of training it's sure. different than it's talking different. to your home girl Absolutely. like it just, it just is now what do you think and i don't know if you've done any research on this what is the psychological effects of talking of that talk with minority children so I have not done any research on it, but I can tell you with my own children, I have seen like a lot of questioning and a lot of feelings of this isn't fair, a lot of feelings of, I mean, it just kind of brings about a sadness, having that, that police talk. Um, 
But because now, is it only the police talk or is it other talks of how just some white people may look at you? Because I'm from I think me, it's I all like of it. All of it. Okay. I think it's all of it because what you're essentially the talk is different. I could put a lot of pretty words on it. I could say a lot of things. I could make it funny. But essentially what I'm saying is the world does not value you because you're black. The world is going to treat you differently because you're black. You are held to a different set of standards that your white friends are not held to that essentially. Right. And that come that's police, that's teachers, that's that's anything that's walking in the store and you being followed. And then your white friend is the one that's stealing. It's everything. And so, yeah, like, it, I, while I haven't done any formal research, I can tell you that that is devastating and hard. And sometimes children don't get it until they experience it. And then they replay the conversation in, your, in their minds. And it brings about a sense of sadness and helplessness. And it clicks. And that's the unfortunate part. Because at some point, they might be like, oh, well, I kind of get it. But until it happens, they're like, oh, this is what they were, this is what, this is what she was talking about. Right. How... Um, well, I guess we kind of said to do, but what are just some, I guess, some other positive things? I know you have mentioned journaling and things like that and just kind of turning anxiety, I guess, into activism. Okay. So I guess it kind of depends on how the anxiety manifests for a person, right? So first you got to get your anxiety down to baselines before you can do anything. Because if you're anxious and fearful and in a state of panic, I don't know how effective you can be to other people. Oh, that's a good point. So basically, it's coming back, channeling that and saying, okay, let me breathe. Let me get to baseline. Let me figure out. And so anxiety really is about the future and it's about the past. You're not really anxious about this present moment. You're anxious because you're like, okay, what if I leave the house and I get pulled over? What if I get pulled over and I don't make Hold it on. home? What yeah. if I, what if I, what if I, or you're thinking, hey, I was on this podcast and did I say this right? And are her listeners going to like it? And I'm thinking about the past, right? Anxiety is never really about the present moment. It's a, it's a feeling that we feel because we're fearful. We think there's something to be afraid of. And then sometimes there is like when you leave the house and you're black, you might not come home like that. That's reality. Right. So I'm not, I'm not invalidating those feelings. I'm just trying to give a a little brief education about it. And obviously anxiety manifests itself differently in different people. So coping with your anxiety first, getting you to a place to where you can act. Some people are paralyzed with anxiety and they can't do anything. So you can't turn anxiety into activism because you can't get out of the bed. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's that's the full, that's the, the extreme. Right. And so sometimes you need a little anxiety, right? So like if you're walking home and you go by a dark corner and your stomach gets that little, ugh. That, that's, that's waking you up. That's like, hey, you might not be safe. Let's do something different. So some anxiety is good. So I think uh, to answer your intuition of anxiety, like, right. You're like, oh, this seems a little sketchy. Maybe I need to do something else. So to answer your question, I think stabilizing yourself and getting yourself to a baseline or to a place where you can act. Sure. I know for me, um, things I've, um, gone through as far as whatever stereotypes or biases they're not something that give me an anxiety on on a level of what a black person would face like you said of leaving the home being a mother now now that anxiety is not because i am like okay i have a black son you know if someone does call him a name whatever as he grows up or whatever that's going to be those are the anxieties come of how my husband and i are going to have to deal with that how we're going to have to talk yeah. to him. i think the sure. biggest thing is is that light right and making sure he still understands that he's a viable special beautiful human being even if there are some people that may not look at that so i think that's so important and i think that starts from young right making them feel secure and safe from from babies so that they can tell that right Um, but i feel like for me what i'm trying i feel like voting i feel like voting is the next biggest thing um and not just for november 3rd but i feel like the local elections because i feel like yeah because i think the local elections is what impacts you the most and I think people forget that yes. like if just want, that. you really um, have to be proactive with that yes so that is my I'm like what can I do I donated a couple things but I'm like no what and I'm like voting I need to be able to get people out to know the local elections and November 3rd because mm-hmm. it has to come from top down and though we might not have the best candidate on the democratic side but we have we to gotta do something something has to be like done. we gotta do something and so for me um to kind of help me with my anxiety and feeling like I'm not doing enough I I just made like a little action plan for myself like okay what am I gonna do that's awesome right so I'm gonna share but I'm also gonna share the stuff that I'm good at like I'm good at helping people cope I'm good at helping people with their mental health I'm a healer like I'm good at that so focusing in on what I'm good at 
has been helpful, right? I'm definitely still going to share stories. I'm definitely still going to share all the all the stuff I've been sharing on my stories as far as uh, what's going on as it relates to Black people in America. Definitely still going to do that because I'm Black first, right? When people see me, they don't know how many degrees I got. They don't know how many children I got. They know I'm Black. That's the first thing people see. So my action plan is to continue to share those things, but also honing in on my stuff. Like I am a therapist. That's who I am. That's what I do. And so translating some of that knowledge into bite-sized chunks that I can put on my social media. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay, well, I, well I'm going to donate some money because I can't be on the ground in every single place. So I found the organizations that I prefer to donate to and I, you know, let people make those decisions for sure, themselves. Sure. Okay, so I donated my money. Okay, what else can I do? They have a um, protest that's going on on Sunday. I'm going to go to that. So figuring out what I can do and keep myself safe and keep my family safe and then writing it down was helpful for me. That's awesome. I love that. I love how you saying you had an action plan and you're like, okay. Yes. And again, on a, not on a super macro, but saying, okay, I'm going to do a little bit. What can, what can Latoya do? Right. Definitely made sure I'm registered to vote. Definitely did my census, offered the free sessions. You know, like I had like a list of things that I kind of went through and, and I'm like, okay, how many, how many things do I need on my list to feel like it's enough? And then you go and then you, and you go and you knock down and And then you do it and you do what you're able to do and you get a sense of, um, I guess accomplishment or, or, or being productive that you're like, okay, at least I'm not, because I don't want this. And I, I, I feel in my heart, it's not going to be another hashtag. I do. I mean, you had the whole, everyone, there was protests in all 50 states. They said that was unprecedented. Yeah. All 50. I mean, you're talking Iowa, Nebraska, you're talking like, right. Dakota, South like Dakota. This is the second wave of the civil rights movement. The Amish people like that. Yes. Everybody, everybody. So I get shit. Like I'm like, that makes me happy. But I think we also, like you said, Nicole, Latoya has to be cognizant of what we can do to make sure the train keeps going. And that's the most important thing that in our communities, in our little bubbles, because we all have our bubbles, that we continue to fight and make sure that we're doing what we can. I know you have to go in a little bit, but I'd like to get into some mom questions because now you're a mom, you're you're, you're, um, a beautiful human being. So we want to know about Latoya. Um, So when do you feel your most bad act? When are you feeling yourself that you're like, yes, I got this. And you're just like, you know, you're good that you're just. So professionally, it's when my clients have that aha moment. Um, like okay so I used to do a lot of work in substance abuse right and people would be like "Eh, it's just a little crack like you what are you talking about like it's not that big of a deal but then when they get it like when the light bulb goes off and they're like oh my gosh crack is ruining my life (laughs) like I'm like yes we made it we got it right (laughs) so then um personally I don't know when my kids are fed and they're clean and one of them does something nice so it could be my five-year-old trying to hold the door for the old lady as we were going into a store. It could be my 15-year-old, like, um, I don't know, being nice to her brothers because they drive her crazy. So when I see my children do something nice, I feel like, yes, I am doing something right. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then obviously there are times where, you know, like your hair is done and you got your cute outfit on. I was getting there. I was getting there. And then, yeah. So like, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling myself, I got myself made up real nice. And, you know, those kind of times. Or uh, when my house is clean, I feel like I'm on it. Because that's a thing. When my kitchen is clean after I've cooked and I'm just like, okay, like it's that like nice slice of heaven. I just feel mm-hmm. so good in my kitchen. What has motherhood shown you so far? Oh, Lord. Motherhood, much like marriage, is a mirror, right? It's a reflection of you. And so my children, oh my gosh, they've shown me so many things. But I think um, they kind of forced me to deal with me. Because what I don't like about my children is something that they're doing that reminds me of something I'm doing or something that I've done. Like when my five-year-old is stubborn, I'm like, why is he so stubborn? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm stubborn. Oh, God. And then my 15-year-old, when she only wants to watch documentaries and she won't just have fun, I'm like, why won't she just watch something else? Oh, because I, like, grew her up watching the ID channel. Like, that's my fault, right? Um, and then even to, even to my little 10-month-old, like, when he gets mad, he goes, Ugh. But I do that. <laughs> so they've kind of, like, 
put me in check. Like, okay, oh, this is they humbled you. They made- oh my gosh. Talk about humble pie, humble bakery. Yeah. They just kind of, sh- they show me me and what I need to deal with. But, but the flip side of that is they also push me, right? Like I had my first child when I was 19. So I knew like, we got to finish school. Like we, we have to have some type of education so that like we can live. Yeah. No. Um, my my middle son when I had him I wrote my first book and so my baby now that I have him I've opened up my own private practice so in in their own ways like my children push me to yes. be better yes so That's awesome I, and you know us talking I, I would love to have you back on to discuss your motherhood journey of just being a mom because I think that's so inspiring to say at 19 years old and you know to take that transition to come and to be a therapist where you open up your own practice and you wrote a book like that that is huge accomplishments so I would love to have you back on to talk oh I'll come back anytime just you know how to find me just let me know when (laughs) Um, okay a few more um what is your favorite indulgence probably wine oh really (laughs) you know like after a long day I've helped people sort through their emotions I've played with my kids I've you know, done all the things. I've played with my husband, if you get my drift. And yeah. then the house is quiet. And I can like, I don't know, like drink wine and watch reality TV because it's <laughs> so tr- trashy. But I love it. Not a pleasure. Yes, yes. I love it. Same. I'm same. My husband's like, why? And I'm like, because it's not, it's mindless TV. Because it's nothing. And I can laugh, right? It's like, so it's my time to wind down. It's so funny. And that's how you could tell women really do have that mental overload because at the end of the day, we just want to watch some trashy ass TV. Um, and a lot of women are, which is why I've said that that's interesting because most of the women on that I, I interviewed, most of my girlfriends, they all say the same thing, reality minus TV. And I'm like, yeah, because at the end of the day, we're like, we're done. <laughs> we're on overload. What's your favorite book? Because I know we're winding down. What's your favorite book? Oh, no, no, we can't do that. Okay, so you mean like smart book or like... Any, anything, I mean, we could even, I mean, anything that like really, it could be a novel, it could be anything that okay. really, that, that helped, tra- that really made an impact on your life. The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah, that's a good one. I've read that one. That's a good one. And then Shameless Plug, The Wife's Guide to Beating the Side Chick by Latoya Carter. Is oh, and one? which we're going to get into because I'm going to put on my on my podcast where people can find you. And I want you to tell me, um, well, you can message me what your book names are so I can put that on as well. Because okay. I would also like to read your book. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, um, like What's your most nostalgic song? And yeah, so like the 90s R&B, like, just take me back. Like, you know, those songs were, like, so, like, deep and sexual, and you were singing them as, like, a kid, and you had no idea. No. So anything 90s R&B. And then probably the Tupac, um, All Eyes on Me. Oh, really? No. So my brother is eight years older than me, right? And so I spent a ton of time with him and his friends. And I don't know, like when I hear that particular Tupac album, it just kind of makes me think about like when me and my brother were hanging out and like, that's awesome. That's the family. Yeah. It's for me. Are you familiar with freestyle music from New York? Like Lisa Lisa Uh and Nicole Jam that whole, well, I grew, I'm Puerto Rican. So my mom played freestyle when she was cleaning on Saturday, but I just grew up that when I hear that, it actually brings me back and I get a little sad because I'm like, I know when my mother is no longer here, that music will take me to a place of my, of my childhood of growing up of hearing that and how my mom you know like would dance and being her that that and hustle music because she loved hustle music but the freestyle oh every time i hear that 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 brings me back to child so it's funny that you mentioned that so album. like the old school groups like the temptations the spinners oh, yeah. and stuff like that oh that just makes me think about my daddy i love him so much and yeah oh i thought i had lost you for a second because it froze okay so we're gonna um wind down latoya is there anything um any last words you want to say on here anything you want to kind of convey that maybe you just want to um just kind of have some parting words here be kind to people just Mm -hmm. be kind like I don't think black people are asking for too much we kind of just want to be left alone and treated equally yeah be kind be kind to people um also let's kind of like erase the stigma surrounding mental health we don't tell cancer patients not to get chemo so telling someone to suck it up or buck up when they have depression, anxiety, or whatever else, is disrespectful and rude. And mental health is real, even if you can't see it. No, I agree. And I think that's beautiful. I think, um, if anything, one of the most important things that we need, that need to be fought within the Black and Brown communities, because think of all the traumas from being young, 
of the things that we're seeing, especially in these in these urban communities, in the city life of being of seeing um, black and Hispanics being arrested all the time, or being messed with all the time, and seeing this all the time. Like that stays with you. That has to stay with you and leave some kind of impact. It has to. It does. You know. Well, it's it's been a pleasure. I definitely want to have you back on. I know um, there was so much we could have talked about. It's very unfortunate um, the events um, you know that have transpired. But I am very hopeful uh, we will be in a better place, at least for our children. You know, I, I am. But like you said, and like we touched upon, if people don't vote, and I say this to all the listeners out there, if you do not get out and vote, yes. if you're not kind to one another and doing it within your own, and you're not living that life, mm-hmm. and you're not projecting that either, then it's, then it's, you know, you have to project it, you know, be kind to one another, expose your children to other cultures, and yeah, and vote, try and change legislation. Like you said, petition, yeah. donate where you can, um, read books to again to listeners out there. If you want to know, read, you know, go out there, research and educate yourself. Agreed. You know, so Latoya, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. Thank I you. I'll let you know as soon as this comes out. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on the platform you're listening on. Tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her story. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.